0: Hi, I'm Dom Bethanelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel is Pat Scott. Hey, Pat.
1: Good day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was starting to say evening, but it's good day wherever you are. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It could be day, evening, morning, uh, whatever yeah. folks, folks, that's the beauty of podcasting. Uh, before we get into our show, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Star Trek, where we're talking about the second season of Strange New Worlds as we record this, and it's really good. So you should check us out over there at sqpn.com slash trek. So today on The Secrets of Technology, we wanted to talk about uh, email, well, mostly email browser. I I, kind of put email in the the show notes, but really uh, I ended up with browser stuff. Uh, Browser content blockers and extensions. Uh, Things that we add to our browsers, our web browsers, that make them more functional, help us uh, keep our browsing safe or uncluttered or all kinds of things or even more useful. So uh, we're going to go through a bunch of browser extensions and content blockers. Um, I should probably, we should probably explain, Pat, the difference between say extensions and content content blockers. Uh, Do you have a, do you have a definition that divides them or you just kind of like is one a subset of another? Well, I can,
1: I guess I consider an extension, anything that runs within the browser. And there may be other things like, specific browsers or other programs that could be doing content blocking, but uh, extensions can be content blocking or they can just be, as you say, helpful things. And I wasn't sure, you know, which things that we were mostly concentrating on today, but it could, they could be both.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they could. Uh, And some are, in fact, uh, let's get into it. So I, I mostly use Safari as my web browser. That's the built-in browser on uh, Macs and iOS. And um, I've used I've used other browsers as my primary in the past. I was primary on Google Chrome. I was uh, I used Brave, which is a Chrome version. I used that uh, for a long time. It's Firefox, going way back, uh, and you go way way back. You go to Internet Explorer for Mac, but <laughs> that was the only browser <laughs> or Netscape. Uh, but really, I'm I'm mostly Safari these days, and mostly because the features, I mean, Apple loves to lock you into things, and you know, being able to do Apple Pay from within the Safari browser is is huge. It's so much. It's so much better than all the other ways of doing e commerce. So I use Safari a lot, but I also use Firefox a lot. In fact, I'm using Firefox right now for this recording session because we use Streamyard as our as our way of communicating in our uh, our our podcasts, and Streamyard runs in. Uh, firefox but doesn't really work at all in safari so uh, i use firefox i also use brave for several things and sometimes i use different browsers in order to keep different parts of life separate i do a lot of my personal stuff in safari and i do my work stuff in brave for instance and that sort of thing so uh, pat what are you using for browsers these days i gotta guess you use a lot of different browsers Yeah, because I got
1: a lot of different clients and I've got, you know, so when I'm on my Mac, I use Safari. And when I'm on my PC, I use Edge as one browser. Mm -hmm. But quite frankly, Chrome is still the one I reach for most of the time. But I run, uh, I, I will use Brave and I will use Firefox and I will use uh, that I don't think I've really. I think that's about it. So I can use Firefox and Chrome on my Mac or my PC.
0: I've experimented with Arc, which is a brand new browser. Um, not I. I haven't I'm used it enough to, that. to have uh, say anything about it. But um, I'll I'll probably bring it up in a future show. And uh, yeah, Arc is another one. Vivaldi is one. There's a lot of browsers out there, but really, I'd say ninety percent of people are using. Chrome Safari and edge so that's probably you know, right. the vast majority of people uh I actually well, do do have edge on my Mac that I'm running I'm running the dev version that lets me put um well it's it's essentially chat Gpt right. Under the skies right. Of I do the same yeah yeah it's kind yeah. of fun to to have that in there.
1: Well, I wanted to mention another class of browsers because that I see quite often when I go to my client's house is a class of browser that comes with their security product. And I'm not real fond of those. Mm. Uh, but, you know, like you will see one from uh, from Malwarebytes or I'll see one from uh, different ones that they're not browser extensions. They are a separate browser, usually based upon Chrome. But uh, a lot of them are fake they're not really good browsers. They pretend to be, uh, here's mm. here's a safe browser for you. So I would warn people to say, stay with the biggies. Don't go off. And all of a sudden, if you see another browser pop up and, and it wants to take over and be your default, there's probably some malware going on.
0: Mm, that's true. Always be suspicious of stuff stuff popping up to, to be helpful. Uh, yeah,
1: especially if it wants to take over and be your
0: default. Yes, if it wants to change things for you. Mm, you better than when you've decided to, to, to change things that you're in charge, not the not the computer. Right. So let's get into some of these extensions. And some of the extensions are going to mention that I'll mention. Uh, th- these are all Mac ones, but they but a lot of them have Windows versions, uh, even Linux, and they'll run in multiple different kinds of browsers. Uh, Some of my extensions will run in uh, Safari, Chrome, Firefox, Edge, um, but some of these are Safari specific. So I'll I'll let you know when that is as we go through it, and we can kind of go back and forth even about some of them, but I get a lot. I do have to admit, I, run I noticed a lot. that. Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, I don't know, over a dozen here listed here. But uh,
1: doesn't that slow your browser down?
0: <laughs> well, that's the nice thing is Safari is pretty efficient, and it doesn't. Um, it's. It, I have. I don't ever notice it slowing down. And in fact, a lot of these speed it up because they're getting rid of a lot of the junk. That people are programming into their websites, and that's the nice thing. Uh, right. And that's probably a good place to start by talking about One Blocker. And this is a extension that works both on the Mac and on iOS and iPad. I mean, iPhone and iPad. Uh, uh, I'm going to use iOS as shorthand for I, iOS and iPad OS because they're so similar. Yeah, yeah. For most of these things, it's the same thing. That if it works on an iPhone, or work on an iPad, and vice versa. Anyway, One Blocker is a really configurable. Uh, content blocking extension that lets you block very specific things, and uh, it let it, you'll, it'll block ads if you want to do that. Um, it'll block um stuff from specific countries if you find that you end up with a lot of, you know, content coming from, uh, you know, uh, bad content from certain like China or Russia or whatever. Uh, you can do that. Uh, so you can do like regional blocking. They call it. Uh, you can block web trackers, block what it calls annoyances, like cookie notices, cryptocurrency mining. Some bad websites embed cryptocurrency mining apps into their site mm. so that when you're on their site, it's making your computer mine cryptocurrency for them, which slows That's your computer slimy. down. That is very yeah. slimy. Um, things like the mobile app is blocking certain kinds of social media widgets. Every time there's a little Facebook uh, widget Button on a website, and we do that on ours on 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 SQPN, so i'm not I'm not pointing fingers at anyone else uh but that means that meta is seeing that you know seeing your access of that site, so you know you might want to block that sort of thing. you can block comments uh which you know good or bad, but sometimes you want to go to a website news comments uh and uh blocking adult sites, which is really nice um and then you can even set up custom rules. Based on uh, allow list, so they used to call it a white list, where you could say on these sites don't block stuff, or don't block this site, and then you could have would block the all this, these sites all the time. You could even block particular CSS elements. CSS is the cascading style sheets; it's the language that's used to describe how websites are structured, along with HTML. And you can block certain CSS that ha- that, and you would do that because. Certain sites will sometimes put annoying features inside of special CSS tags, and if you can figure that out, you can block it. Um, and you can even do do more than that. Uh, and you can do on you can set it up. It's because it syncs. You can set this up on your Mac, say, and it will synchronize all of your settings to your iPhone and iPad. So, uh, One Blocker is really nice, and uh, that that is available. You can. It, you can use start using it for free. There is a paid version. Um, frankly, well worth it. I I say there are several different ones out there like this. I think there's another one called Ublock and some others. But I uh, latched onto One Blocker early on, and it has been great. And uh, it is in the app store. So uh, on the uh, the of the various app stores. So definitely you can check those out. Yeah, it's it's got an in-app purchase. I'm just I didn't look at what the in-app purchase was, but um, it's just a few bucks. Let's see. You can get it, uh, yearly for $15. So 15 bucks a year, which for the annoyance that it, it saves you, that's probably worth it. Um, so that's one blocker. I'm going to mention a couple, and then I'll let you mention a couple, Pat. I think maybe that's the best okay. way to do it. Um, uh, of course one password is I've talked about it a hundred times on the show. It is my password manager choice, and it integrates so well with browsers. I love the fact that it does that. And um, it's available, of course, on every single platform out there that you could want. And it, the the browser extension allows you to access everything that's in the full 1Password app from within the browser and including filling in password fields and uh, two-factor authentication fields if you've put the two-factor authentication codes into 1Password. So uh, that's really great. Uh, and then just another one I want to mention is I have I use day one as my journaling journaling app of choice. And you can it actually integrates with Safari that lets you pull things from a web page and put it in a, a journal. Some people like to journal, like say you want to journal about uh, something that someone else wrote on their on their blog or their sub stack. You can pull that content in via the day one extension and put that into your daily journal. So. um you know, it's really, a really nice little extension. So those are a couple of things. <laughs> Pat, why don't you mention a few and then uh, I'll, I'll give some more.
1: I'll try to do some in parallel with what you're doing. Okay. Uh, the, the first one that I use, of course, there's, there's a ton of things that can block ads. My favorite is Adblock Plus, uh, the, but there's Ublock and a few others. Again, you have to be careful that there's lots of them out there that are so kind of scammy. And so I recommend staying with one that has good reviews and uh, is not being uh, anti-privacy itself. But the AdBlock Plus uh, is very easy to set up and use, and it is by site so that when you're on a site, you can just click it on or off. If you want it to not block that site, you don't have to go into a here's a a safe list of things. Uh, And it uh, allows uh, judicious, non Uh, obnoxious ads uh, where, you know, it doesn't try to block every single ad. If it's just a simple text ad, it doesn't block it. Uh, That type of thing. Uh, Along with your 1Password, uh, I use Bitwarden. I have gone through several. Uh, I, you know, was with LastPass and then I went to Dashlane and finally I'm on Bitwarden. And they have an extension for all of the browsers that lets you both fill and save uh passwords and user IDs and uh to some degree filling in uh, credit cards and other information. And I've I've liked it because it's it's open source and they have a free and a paid version, but I I think I'm just using the the free version right now and got it on all my browsers. Uh let's see the third one you had Okay, was a journaling app. Uh, I'm kind of. I used to use Evernote as kind of a journaling, pull things out and mm. save it. I'm using Obsidian these days, and they don't have a uh, an extension. But one thing I do use to help me with that is I use a uh, a an extension that will let me just do a simple reader mode. It puts the name of the website at the top and the references and the link and then uh, takes out all the ads and takes all the fluff out. And so you just get a nice long column of information I can post, paste into my Obsidian. And so that works really nicely.
0: That's one of my favorite features in Safari is reader mode. And just sometimes I just, there's just so much going on. I can't focus on what's on the screen and just put into reader mode. And, but, but using reader mode to do copying, that's a great idea to do so you can get a clean copy of text.
1: Oh yeah, I do that on all all of that, and I'm using something called Reader Mode Pro, which is a an extension within Chrome. I know different browsers have reader modes built into them, and uh, I had tried a couple of different ones, and this is the one that kind of gave me the format that I wanted to paste stuff somewhere else. Nice, awesome.
0: So, so the next extension I want to talk about it's it's kind of a it's a companion to a standalone app. But it works with your browser. It's called Downy, and uh, this is one that's in set app. So for folks who are playing the uh, the Secrets of Tech drinking game, uh, you can drink. Uh, so <laughs> D- Downy is amazing. It, what it does is it it will download YouTube videos for you, and it does it f- so flawlessly. And it will put them into various formats for you, including if you just want to do audio only. Uh, so I'm on a YouTube video. I want to save it. I hit the Downy button; it downloads it, and I usually put it into MP4 format. But there, you can have d- different formats, and uh, it'll do other websites; it'll do Vimeo, it, it, and does dozens of sites, including stuff I've never heard of. Like, if you, if it's a video on a web page, it'll probably download it for you. And uh, but I like the audio mode. Sometimes there's a video of two people talking. I I don't I don't need to see them talking. I'd love to have it in a podcast on my podcast player. So I'll just download the audio of the of the interview, say, and drop it into Overcast on my and take it on my phone. And so I can listen to while I'm driving or walking or, you know, working around the house. Uh, So Downey is a great app for that. Then the next one I want to talk about is very simple called Hush in what it does. Some of these overlap. I have to admit some of the extensions I have. I've added them at different times. What Hush does is it basically blocks cookie and privacy-invasive tracking in Safari, the nags. like So if all those cookie nags, like, uh, do you want to accept cookies? Do you want to sign up for our newsletter? Do you want to, um, you know, although we do that on SQPN, I acknowledge that. But, uh, you know, the... You, the various some Obnoxious websites ones. <laughs> some websites are worse about it than others. You know where you, like every time you go to the site you and you are signed up and they're bugging you about it again. Um, You know so but the cookie were like a few years ago when the U- European Union required every site to ask you if you can accept cookies and so that just became crazy making Um and and these various other privacy policy things. This just blocks all of that. No, It's noiselessly, you know, that does you don't need, it's no interface for it. it. just, it's active, it's blocking it. So hush. And then this one, the next one is so very useful called it's a keyword search or Safari keyword search. Uh, it's co- called different things at different times. This one, w- what you do is in the browser address uh, space, you know, where you, you type in the, the address you want to go to, you can type, I do this all the time. I'll type a W space and then something I want to find on Wikipedia. Or if I want to look up an actor or a movie on IMDb, I type IMDb space and then put the information and it goes and searches those sites for me. I don't have to go to IMDb, find its search box in the... (laughs) in the maze of noise on this visual noise on the screen and enter it. It eliminates that step. Um, they've got built-in default searches for Amazon, archive.org, DuckDuckGo, Google, Google Maps, eBay. But you can also do create your own searches uh, when, you know, when you, uh, especially if a site has a standards um, um, syntax for what a, s- a completed search looks like. So, I for SQPN, we use Dreams Time, which is a stock photo service. I use it for some, perhaps for this very web, uh, this very episode, you'll look and see a photo I got from Dreams Time. And I, I set it up so that I type DM space and then whatever I'm looking for for a stock photo and it searches. So, I'll type tomorrow, I will type DM space web browser and or perhaps, and it will bring me up you know, images of web browsers or whatever. And it's just, it eliminates that one annoying step. So I really like having that uh, available. And that's the essence of it. It's not a huge thing. It's just these small little things that make life a little easier along the way. So uh, so those are three more. Pat, do you have a few more that you want to talk about? Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, the one that I've added oh, probably in the last couple of months is called Social Fixer. And just like most people, I do use Facebook for certain things, but it's so annoying. And this is a, I had tried another one earlier, but when I wanted to turn it off, there wasn't an easy way to turn it off. This is a true browser extension where you go in, and put the extension Social Fixer in, and then you have a whole list of things that you can say, I don't want to see reels. I don't want to see sponsored stuff. I don't want to see suggested friends. And you, you go through and make a check block, and it remembers them. But I can still go in and say, turn off Social Fixer, and now I'm back to the regular page in case there was something that somebody was trying to explain to me what they were seeing on their browser or what they were seeing in Facebook. Mm. So it's been a very easy to use, easy. It's a little voluminous in terms of all the things it can do, but I just concentrated on the few more annoying things that I wanted to eliminate from my view. It can make it so that uh, Facebook shows you things in reverse chronological order as opposed to their their own algorithm, uh, and so it just makes life easier. The other thing it does automatically, and I kind of play with this a little bit, it will stop you scrolling after X number of entries, and there's a real easy way to change it from 10, which is its default, to 100, and then you're not endlessly scrolling. It gives you that little prompt to say, do you want to go do for another X, you know, and so you can keep on going. But that's built in. It's not something you have to set up or go check a box. It automatically does that. Nice.
0: I noticed, by the way, that um, they they say they have a version for Safari, but when I click on it, it says not available in my region. So Ah, um, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So,
1: yeah, I didn't know that. I, I know yeah. I've got it working in, in Chrome. I've had it working in... Firefox. Mm-hmm. I don't th- I usually keep one browser that I don't have it active in so I can quickly go, you know, see yeah. what what it looks like somewhere else. But anyway, to me it's been an annoying uh relief. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um the other another one that I use that is not a blocking thing, but I use Gmail a lot. And I keep everything in Gmail because I've got a business and I've got personal stuff. And occasionally there'll be things that I need to keep an email, but the title itself doesn't give me enough information about what it is or why I'm keeping it. So there's something called Cloud HQ and there's a notes app within that. There's a whole bunch of browser extensions, but this is the only one that I use from cloud h q, and it just puts a note into the gmail uh uh line while that browser extension is running on whatever browser I've got it on and so then I can say, "Here's an Amazon, and I can say this one's such and such a router or this one is a gift for for uh or this is a whatever so i can I can quickly see by looking at the email what it is that I needed to save it for. And now if I go just log in on another browser somewhere else, I'm not seeing them, but at least I can go to there when I'm working on taxes and go put all the things that look like they're tax-related. Uh, you know, I can see the notes about them. Oh, yeah, this was such and such. So I've really liked that. Now, I have not looked at the rest of the cloud HQ stuff, but that one I found help- helpful.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Um, One more thing while we're talking about Chrome is that um, there is a Chrome remote access that I use within the house. So that I've got several machines upstairs and several machines downstairs, and if I quickly want to check on the status of something I've got going upstairs, I can use this Chrome Remote Access to let me see that screen and and uh, interact with it and just kind of keep an eye on that update that was going on. Uh, and what it keeps I should probably run up and down the stairs for exercise, but it does save me some time. So that's another thing that's, that's actually put out by Chrome itself and works uh, across both Mac and PC, so I can cross-check a, a PC that's running with my Mac on the, on the Chrome access, etc. It does it through the security of your Google user ID password. Uh, so you're looking at your own stuff. It's not somebody else's stuff, so I don't use it for, for doing remote control to a client. It's it's strictly my own stuff.
0: Okay, so my next one I want to talk about is something called Stop the Madness, and this is a this is another one of those comprehensive annoyance cleaners. And uh, when you install it in Safari, and this is Safari only, uh, it, you can access the entries the the uh, the screen the the settings is what I'm trying to say, and it will give you all the different ways that it it will prevent you from having to deal with annoyances so i mean and there are dozens of different options here things like uh bypass link shorteners you know how you the, the short bitly links and those sorts of things it'll bypass those so that they're not seeing so bitly doesn't see your you know doing this it's um it's getting the the long the long url for you uh hiding banners uh getting rid of the uh hover, hover tags you know when you hover over something it pops up something um the it, it'll give you a warning about the maximum length of characters that you can put into a field. Do you ever get that, you know, try to type into a field and run into the edge and and it says, oh, and it just beeps at you. Like, oh, I didn't know I can put more than. And this will tell you how many characters can go in a field and all kinds of things. And uh, so, you know, it can do different fonts for different websites. It can set up uh, rules for redirects and all kinds of things. And you can set up different rules for different websites. Some websites have problems with you know with having some of these options turned on. So you set up a special setting for them and you turn off the option for that website or some sites need a lot more help cleaning them up and you do that. So it's really uh, a, a comprehensive, almost it can almost be overwhelming, but uh, if you just out of the box default, it's a pretty good help. It gets rid of a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of stuff that I don't see anymore. Then another one I've recently started using is called Surfed, And what Surfed does is it keeps track. It's basically browser history on steroids. And it creates a searchable database of your Safari browser history. And so that um, if you've ever, if you ever go to a website, you're like, oh, what was that site I went to three weeks ago that I need to go back to again? Because it had that information I needed and I didn't save it. Well, if you see regular browser history, that's long gone by now, but surf keeps everything and, and it, uh, it's searchable and it's a nice program for that. Um, it sits in the background until you need it. I mean that's the best part of it and uh, it it really gives you a nice look at I mean I've been running it for several weeks, and it says I have let's see almost twelve thousand entries <laughs> wow. in the several weeks and, and it doesn't take up much space at all because it's very you know short text lives. It just shows the link and then the date and time that I was there. So, um, and then, uh, one other one, man, this, this next one is the one I, I if I had to give up everything, this one, I would, would hurt the most. This is called vinegar. It's a uh, vinegar tube cleaner. This is a YouTube specific extension. And what this does is it replaces the standard YouTube player video player you know the the rapper that plays the video for you with a standard html basic html5 uh, video player so it cleans it up it get it removes ads <laughs> that's a big deal it removes the youtube ads it gives you picture-in-picture capabilities so you can pop out the youtube video onto your screen it can keep the videos playing in the background uh it does several things along those lines and uh let me tell you if like you, youtube without it versus youtube with it is two completely different experiences uh i'm I, I, every time i have to use youtube in like firefox or or uh, brave i'm like oh yeah that's right it's all these ads that are constantly you have to wait and oh 15 seconds and like i just want to watch the video that's shorter than the ad and it just drives me crazy uh vinegar is a much cleaner experience so i really Love it. And that one is just it's three dollars and it's three dollars well spent. It has a companion called Baking Soda, which cleans <laughs> up the video experience on non-YouTube video players. So uh, it's sort of complementary to it and you can get them both as a package. What else do you have, Pat?
1: Well, I've got several clients that that have a need for an um an ad blocker, but also looking for malware to make sure that they're not going to sites that are slimy, and so malware bytes has a browser guard that does both it it does it looks for slimy stuff that is advertising and leads you to bad websites, as well as it, uh, does some ad blocking. Uh, so I've got a few, quite a few clients who use it as opposed to the ad block plus AdBlock plus doesn't specifically look for malware, but this does. Um, so, uh, I, I had a, Early experiences with it that there were a couple of things that it blocked that I didn't want blocked because of the type of researching I'm doing, so I stayed with the AdBlock Plus myself. But it is a good browser guard. I don't use it myself now, but there was uh, I've got family members that use Ghostery that uh basically uh lets you see what's going on in your browser and you can block things or at least know what's going on uh with the different ad trackers and stuff like that and uh I know Steven likes it a lot mm-hmm. and so I've I've got a few clients who use that as well
0: yeah, it gives you like a number, like there are 16 trackers that I've blocked for you and, you know, 15 ad networks and that sort of thing uh, on this one web page alone. Yeah, it's, it can be really useful for that.
1: Right. And I like that with Adblock Plus, too, because every time you're on a web page, it'll show you that there's 53 ads on CNN right now uh, on this page. Or And so I really like that feature of Adblock Plus. It, it shows me very well what's being blocked. And right. that I like that. Uh, there are some other common extensions and I guess one of the things I wanted to mention is when I go to a client's house, I look at their extensions because a lot of times there's things like recipe clippers or there's things like, uh, uh, prayer of the day or, uh, a whole lot of things that are using to supposedly help save you money while you browse. Right. And so many of them are terribly bad about gathering information. So I like to look at the browser uh extension list and make sure it's running the least number of things that it can. One of the things that typically does get in there that I, you know, is not a problem is Adobe Reader has an extension that's helpful for filling in forms and, and dealing with forms on the web. And uh Google Docs and always have some extensions that you can, you know, use your docs where you are offline or things like that. But I am very skeptical of a lot of, of, uh, of extensions because quite frankly, they can read everything you do on that web session, everything, whether, and so you have to really trust your browser extensions. So I try to, to keep those as lean as possible.
0: That's a good point. Very good. In fact, I probably need to turn some things off myself on, uh, in my, in sense, I have a few things that I've turned off, but I was just looking through and going, I don't ever use that. So there's no reason to right. have that on. Yeah. Right. And I, I need to go through and find ones that are conflicting. Like they do the same thing. They don't need yeah. to both be there. Either. Decide
1: which one you like better. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, I got a few more and then we can get into some more gen- general content blocking ideas, but beyond the browser, but, uh. The the I want to talk about a couple more that I use. Uh, one is called Tabitha Tabs Exporter. It lets me take a so you can have tabs in Safari. Most browsers let you use tabs, and I can take all the tabs in a in a, one window, and I can export them in various formats. I can export it to an HTML list. Uh, I can export and, and I can select, I can say, don't take the, take them all. I can just take these ones and unselect the ones I don't want, but I can copy as text, as a bulleted list, as Markdown, as HTML. I mean, I've used this a lot with our various shows. When I didn't do show notes, like for Secrets of Tech, I need all of the you know, I'll open up all of these windows to all of these programs that we're talking about, and then I'll go to Tabitha and say, copy this all as HTML or and, and you know, then I'll, I'll have to do a little bit of cleanup in, in BBEdit. This is a, like a text editor that I use, but it saves me a lot of hassle of converting the, all of these to actual HTML URL links and that sort of thing. Uh, it's a very helpful extension then i've got a couple that are ios specific um or you know the ipad and ios uh, iphone uh one is called unobstruct and what it does is uh it you know because of especially like on an iphone the, the screen is still smaller than your web browser on your desktop computer and so unobstruct removes floating social media toolbars and other things like that that get in the way of reading that take up that precious screen space. Like on a big screen, like, you know, a 27-inch screen or whatever on, that you have on your desk or even a 16-inch laptop screen. It's not as much of a big deal, but when you get a little, you know, a six-inch screen, those toolbars take up precious screen real estate. So on Obstruct, basically, the, the, the one thing it does is it gets rid of those uh, bars that are taking up screen space. Then another one I use is called Amplosion. So Google came out with this this uh, standard format a few years ago called AMP, where it it formats pages uh, to a, a particular style that it thinks is great for looking at on your phone. Except AMP pages can they're not well without getting into it they, they're not always great. In fact, I find I'm better off with just the regular web page that iphone safari knows how to reformat for the phone and so what amplotion does is just automatically redirects from the amp link to the real uh, link of the that that, that you, it serves to everyone else that isn't a phone so that very simple uh straightforward and then there's another one called super agent for safari it very it's free very simply it just automatically accepts cookies you can just tell it you know if when it when it when a cookie pop-up comes, just accept it and don't deal with it. So, um, it's a different way that it's a different approach than say hush or stop the madness or you know, um, the content blocker I mentioned, I, I uh, blocker one blocker, sorry. Um, it's a little different approach of just accepting the cookies as opposed to not making the, the, the cookie things show up at all. So, you know, you, it's whatever approach you prefer. So, um, so those are all of my different extensions. And, uh, and, and by the way, uh, Super Agent for Safari works on both Mac and iOS. So uh, that's, a, that's a dual platform. Other content blockers, Pat, you had some tips for other types of content blocking.
1: Well, some of my clients, rather than using Google, uh, uh, Chrome, they, and, and I know you do, use Brave a lot. And so Brave does a lot of blocking of ads and things like that as well, and then privacy things. So if you're using that, then there's not as many other extensions you need because it's built into Brave. So that's one of the things that I thought I would throw out there. Uh, But as you say, most people are using Edge or Safari or Chrome. Mm -hmm. That's the, the three biggest ones out there. Um the other thing is is that on my iphone there is a way that you can use malwarebytes message spam blocker and it's a special program for ios that uh you can actually have it divide up your your text messages into these are fine these are spam you know there it's it's a content blocker for the the spam things it's not perfect it's but it does allow you to have some control over those things uh, or it can say it 's promotion as opposed to a hoax or a scam then the other other thing that some some of my clients are using they like Google search better than they do uh the searches that are built into uh to brave et etc so they they prefer to do start page as a google instead of using Google search because it it strips out all the tracking that uh, Google search, Google is doing, but it gives you the same search results. So uh, I, the, a lot of times I really don't like the search results I get out of of uh, say say Edge with Bing or something else. So having that alternative is is nice because it's you still get the same results. It's just that you're not getting the ad tracking.
0: Right, starpage dot com will creates a default page for you when you open your browser, and that's where you search from. Uh, so you don't leave any trace is how they...
1: they right, it. Yeah. right. And then the other last couple of things that I threw in there is uh, if people are on their own home network, you can, you know, affect DNS so that you get some blocking of uh, parental control type things or uh, scammy type things. Uh, and I just mentioned uh, Open DNS is one method. And then there's a CloudFare f- CloudFlare for families that is similar to that. They both just have you change the IP addresses of your DNS to specific addresses, and then it does the appropriate uh, stripping out of things so that you, they never get to the, your, your various computers. And you could do it at the browser level, uh, pardon me, at the, at the hardware level on your router, or you could do it within a particular computer, either one.
0: So before we go, I just want to mention a couple of things on how to set up extensions on, a, on Safari, on Mac and iOS, uh, those ones I'm familiar with. Uh, so on a Mac, if you just go under, if you go under the Safari menu, the, sec- the top item is about Safari and the item under that is Safari extensions. If you click that, it will take you, it will open the App Store app on your Mac and take you to where you can find all these Safari extensions. And that's the great thing is Safari extensions have to be go through the App Store. So they're vetted by Apple. So that's a huge deal. Um, and then if you want to manage them, it's just, you go into settings and one of the, the panels that you can open up is extensions and you can check and uncheck them, and it will tell you the permissions that the apps have, and then there's always a uninstall button so you can you can un, you can take it away and uh, at, at any time so that's really nice um, in say Firefox, you can manage extensions there's a uh, in the toolbar there's like a puzzle piece. That will that you can see when you click on it, you can click on manage extensions, and when you go to that, you can then go to the um the extensions store in Firefox. Chrome is similar, and uh Microsoft is similar as well so they um and I think Chrome and firefox Google and Firefox both vet the extensions in their respective stores. That's not perfect, Correct. yeah you know things can, you can still get through, but yeah it it helps that's the best way to get these things.
1: And one of the things about uh, Edge and Chrome is that uh, Edge, being a Chrome derivative, uh, when you install it, it will go ask if it'll ask you first, but it will go pick up all your extensions from Chrome and r- bring them into Edge for you.
0: Oh, that's nice.
1: Yeah, it is. It's really helpful on when iOS. I'm setting up a new machine.
0: Yep. Um, sorry. Uh, do I remember iOS? You go into Settings app, go to the Safari entry, and then page down until you see extensions you tap on that and that's where you will see all of your extensions so it divides them between content blockers and then um regular extensions and you can turn them off and on and and manage them here as well so uh you, you know you have them you might have them on on one device and off on another you can but it but it will also synchronize them between the two different uh you know platforms so
1: Uh, Along with that, when you said synchronize with Chrome, if you're using uh, a Google user ID password, there is an option that you can say, I want to synchronize my settings between browsers. And so any machine you go on to that you're signed in has the same extensions and the same bookmarks and all that. And Edge has the same feature, too. I think uh, I think. Firefox is, does as well, it, but uh, the it is nice to be able to, when you go to a new machine, just log in with the, the your extension, or pardon me, log in with your user ID, and you get all the right extensions that you're used
0: to using. That's really nice. That's really nice. Profiles in web browsers can be really useful. Uh, that's actually coming in at Safari in the next version of the operating systems, uh, Sonoma and iOS 17, but uh, I use that in... Um, brave and in firefox so that i can again keep my personal stuff separate from my it's like sometimes i need to log on to into the starquest youtube channel and sometimes i want to log into my personal youtube account and just you know switching profiles helps with that a lot so it's it's much much better than having to log out and log in all the time All right. So that is content blockers and browser extensions. And I'm sure we'll come back to this topic again. And we'd love to get your feedback and any questions you have on any of this, anything we weren't clear on, or if there's specific ones that you're interested in and that you like, you want to suggest, we'd love to hear from you. You can send your feedback to technology at sqpn.com. So before we move on, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create. The Secrets of Technology, including Brandon P., Carolyn R., Colleen R., James B., and Rodney B. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So a few headlines I want to talk about tonight, uh, the or today, whenever you're listening, is uh, the first headline comes out of Caltech, the California Institute of Technology. This is a bit of a sci-fi dream come true. Satellite beams solar power down to Earth in a first of its kind demonstration. Uh, the promise of... So, you know, satellite-based solar power collection that is then beamed to Earth to provide clean, limitless energy it has been a science fiction promise for decades. Uh, but no one's ever been able to crack it just yet. Uh, but apparently Caltech is on the edge of that as well as some others. Um, and what they did was they they put a small satellite in orbit and it was able to collect solar power, use a microwave beam to transmit it, You know, to change it over to a different power source from, you know, the solar to the microwave beam and then transmit the beam to a nearby other satellite thingy and then even beam it down to Earth. And it wasn't much power. It was like 200 milliwatts, I think it was. Um, But they were able to detect it from Earth. And it's the first step in in doing this. Uh, It's very exciting, Pat, the idea that we could have, you know, these systems in space generating the power of a nuclear power plant without any of the, you know, the dangerous side effects and all that other stuff.
1: Well, you said uh, you were talking about solar power, but I was going to ask if if you had a nuclear power plant in space, you know, that is 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 could that same technology be used to beam that power down uh, as they did the solar beaming the solar power down?
0: I would think so. I mean, it's just converting electricity. Power. Yeah. I mean, yeah, when the, the solar cell absorbs the, the light radiation, it converts it to electricity and that electricity is then uh, routed to the microwave system. I would suppose any electricity being routed to the microwave system would work. I'm not exactly sure of the the technology you're using, but and, and now obviously the idea of launching. I mean, they launch nuclear power plants into space on satellites all the time now, like especially deep space ones. Although they're not exactly high energy nuclear power, but there's nothing that says we couldn't, you know, put a nuclear power, you build one on the moon, say, or you know, in orbit and not have to launch this if we if we had uranium or plutonium in space not have to launch it from earth's surface i think that would work too i would think um but, the, but the, as long uh, as that power is used for good and not for a, a death, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Harmless, like a microwave instead of uh, microwaving people or, you know, yes, using it for yes. you know, orbital. Or, now you will see the full orbital power of, this, of, our, of my Death Star. Uh, but, you know, it, the the thing is they've been theorizing this since the 70s, but it was just so darn expensive. But now you got SpaceX and other commercial launch platforms lowering the cost of launch. Launching things, they finally are able to get inexpensive solar cells, and the micro technology is there. There's one company that says batteries uh, are smaller, and right. More powerful, yeah. And there's a company yeah. that, uh, in the article, says that they plan that to start providing um, zero carbon emission, clean, scalable energy for commercial power by the end of the decade, which is wow, fantastic. I love the idea. I've always felt like we. We should have more nuclear power. I think it's safer than most people think, um, but the just the political hurdles and the regulatory hurdles are so bad that it's you almost have to give up on it. But this just seems like a great idea. Now, a lot of people wonder, like, what happens if a plane flies through that beam? You know, or you know, the beam wanders a bit. It's not like it isn't like a laser beam. It's not like a like a microwave. I, I think the total amount of radiation in any one spot is low enough that like if a plane flies through it, it's, it's fast enough. It's not going to cook it. It's not going to knock it out of the air. It's not like a laser beam. So, uh, no worries. there.
1: not going to affect communications, et cetera.
0: Yeah. I mean, although, I mean, I would bet they would, if the FAA would route planes around it, they wouldn't want them to fly through it on purpose or, you know what I mean? Uh, that it probably, it possibly could, especially since a lot of planes do use some microwave, um, Trans radio like transmissions I think to, to communicate yeah. to the ground um, so you, this, the location of these would have to be carefully cited uh, to avoid interfering with other types of stuff on the ground and in the air but I don't think it would be any more dangerous than anything else so um, that's pretty cool cool so our next headline uh, the this healthcare organization with over 100 clinics is using GPT-4 from OpenAI to write medical records now what this is is they have with people's permission they're getting the permission to do this there's this AI tool that they record the conversations between doctors and patients, and the ai uh the the, the machine language model that's the more accurate term <laughs> is producing notes that summarize the content of the information gathered in the in the appointment that you have with your doctor now uh it, it they said it's 88% accurate and doctors will still have to go through it but you know talk to any doctor and they'll tell you that they spend a lot of their time is writing these these records these medical records getting all the information down that's what your doctors doing in between visits and why they're late to your appointment is because they've they've been recording someone else's and I know my doctor she has always she's had in recent years had um someone live on a uh like on an ipad without a or or on a computer without a camera a stenographer listening to type as we go as we have our meeting so they that sort of thing where someone is listening and recording has already existed i mean, i know some people might have they might be suspicious that it would be using um you know they they would be using this information to compile data on you or whatever. Um, HIPAA laws still apply here. So I don't know. What do you think of this, Pat? Do you think it's, it's, it's dangerous to our privacy or helpful to make you know, our doctors more available?
1: Well, I'm thinking of, a, I've got several clients, uh, doctors, that I've helped use transcription software you know, already, uh, where they, they do dictation and it converts it into text. This is an extension of that, basically, only you're letting a computer help clean it up and, and make it, uh, you know, to getting that audio into text. Uh, and as, as long as they keep the HIPAA requirements there and they're adhered to, now the other question would be is, if while they're doing that, If a name is actually entered into those records, then that may be some concern about does that information get merged back with the rest of CHAT-GPT. I had seen some article talking about a safer method of something like CHAT-GPT, but only medically based and restricted so that it would not be contaminated. Or in fact, contaminate the public stream with private information.
0: That's an important point that needs to be made more often when people talk about the various machine language, uh, uh or models. machine learning models out there. Is when, the, like, an article will say, "Oh, this is using GPT four, Chat GPT." That doesn't mean that they're using the publicly accessible website. Model that you're using to, you know, play, you make, you know, student essays or questions or something, whatever it is you're using it for. These often, like for this, this is an Amazon tr- uh, called Transcribe Medical Cloud Service. They get an access to like a copy of the model that's theirs. It doesn't touch the public, the public system. And so that's separate. From the public system, so the, the any learning that it does is self contained, and so that's a big difference, I think, from what I think people expect or are, are assuming. Yeah, that is it's happening. a
1: misunderstanding that a lot of people have. They just figure it's all going to go into the cloud. Exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, this is a good point where I, I, I want to bring up a, a funny analogy I heard. It was like people: we need to stop calling these chatbots AI because these things are AI like hoverboards are, are, are powered skateboards. They're not really hoverboards. You know what I mean? They don't hover. They're just skateboards with motors on them. Chat, you know, chat GPT is not really AI. It's just a machine, you know, a a machine learning model. Uh, And some, some wag at one point decided to call it artificial intelligence. And, and we have all of these preconceived notions of what that means. It is not as smart as all that. So uh, I kind of like the idea that, you know, this says in the article, Doctors usually spend an average of 16 minutes producing these consultation summaries. And with the tool, they get that down to four minutes. Which yeah, is great. Yeah, I think it would be
1: a real good time savings. As I say, you know, uh, it's really following on the heels of of transcribing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then finally, this, uh, there's been a trend in a lot of states and the latest, I think, is Louisiana passing laws to ban minors, Louisiana's law, it bans minors from creating their own social media accounts. They would need a parental permission, parental consent, uh, explicitly given, you know, say if they go to Instagram, the parent has to give their explicit consent to allow the child to set up a, an account. Um, this would be, it, it, the, some of the objections to this are, you know, oh, the definition of online service is very broad. It would keep kids from creating accounts on Roblox and Fortnite or even register for an email address. And I'm like, we're talking about minors here. I don't have a problem with any of that. I'm not sure. That's a feature, not a bug to me. And then one guy, um, says, uh, it violates first amendment rights and takes away parental rights for their families. I'm thinking, thinking, how does it take away parental rights? It's actually ensuring parental rights by me enforcing them. Right. By saying that parents have to have to be informed when their kids are getting on these services. Now, because part of the issue here is is a lot of these a lot of times kids will have parents. You need to know this. Kids will have secret accounts. They have the, the the parent count that they that you know about. Then they have the the other account that's just for them and their friends. And you don't know about that. This sort of thing prevents it. So I don't know. I, I'm kind of in favor of this sort of thing. Yeah. Uh,
1: now I could understand that there might be emancipated minors, you know, like 17 year olds or 16 year olds who are in really bad home situations that restricting them could possibly be a problem. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, that's not the you know, that's not what this is going after. Right.
0: There's an old adage. There
1: might need yeah. to be some exceptions, you know, like right. if there's, if they're, if they've gone through the process of becoming an emancipated minor, this doesn't apply.
0: Right. That makes sense. And, and as they say, uh, hard cases make bad law. You know, it's like, yeah, we could bring up these fringe cases and you're right. that This is exactly tr- true. And, we need to build in exceptions and emancipated minors should be considered as an adult for the purposes of the law, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But it certainly doesn't invalidate the pur- the purpose for the vast majority of people. Uh, Utah the problem will be a- is
1: how they they how, how they're going to verify age, et cetera. That right. would be one of the biggest questions I have.
0: And I think both Meta and Twitter maybe announced recently that they're suspending activations for minors in their states in certain states until they figure out how to get this, you know, how to do this, this law in Louisiana doesn't go into effect till August of 2024. So there's over a year, uh, but they, they got to figure it out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but Utah, passed, well, it, Utah has a law now that requires the consent of a guardian. Uh, Arkansas recently passed one and other States are considering it. So it's more than yeah, less. Yeah. Cause it's,
1: I mean, every kid can lie uh, as far as what's their birth date, you know, uh, that's that. So they've got to have some cross check with some. But then you get the people who are saying, I don't want my kid to have a social security number or a, or a photo ID or things like that, because, you know, government control.
0: So, well, yeah, I mean, well, they wouldn't need the photo ID unless they're trying to prove they're an adult. You know, they if they if they say, oh, I'm over I'm I'm over 18. Okay, show us your photo ID. But if you're under 18, it will say, "Oh, you're you're under 18. Get a parent. We need their photo ID." So
1: yeah, but how do they, how do you verify their whether they're over 18 or under 18 without some document?
0: Well, if they're over 18, they have to show their document.
1: Right, but if somebody if if a 15 year old says, "I'm seven, I'm 18," right, you know, by the by, when they fill it out, they put three years older.
0: Yep. Then show me your license that says you're 18. Okay. yeah, (laughs) you know, like that, that would be the thing. They have to they'd have to prove it. If if they say I'm actually 15, we're not going to ask them for their I.D. Right. Okay. got your parents I.D. So I think I think I think it's doable. I think just I think um, the these companies don't want to do things that cost them money and it costs money to set up these systems. You know, that's right. But, you know, they'll have to be forced to do it. So those are our headlines. Let's move quickly into our picks of the week. Pat, what is your pick this week? Hey, I have a free one this, <laughs> this time.
1: Uh, and I'm sorry, Apple users, it's not for you. That's fine. It's only for Microsoft users. Um, we have a history of Microsoft sliding in updates that maybe people didn't realize they were going to have all of a sudden be on Windows 11, and they weren't expecting that. And back in the day, it was from Windows 7 to Windows 10, or from, etc. Well, there's a gentleman called Steve Gibson, who's extremely talented and very, very good good technician as well as a good person. At any anyway, rate, he's come up with something for every one of these upgrades, and he's finally come up with something that just says, in control. And you can say, what version of the operating system I want to lock in. And it won't let the Microsoft upgrade take place until you click on it and say, release control. It's a very tiny thing that you download from his website and one version for all of the operating systems. And you just, you know, you select which version, whether it's, it's, um, uh, 21 H two or 22 H one, you know, whichever version it is of the operating system, whether it's windows 10 or 11 and it goes click. And then when you click on it again, it says, Oh yeah, you're in control. And you want to release control and it gives you one click and it's opened up and now you can get the new version. Awesome. So it's very simple.
0: You know, I should explain to Mac users because you don't know this, but Microsoft will run uh, system updates without people without the the user knowing they will update people's systems to a new operating system update without their control that's the big thing with on a mac it tells you there's a new update available do you want to run it you know and it encourages and even nag you sometimes which is annoying but um certainly it doesn't do it without your consent unless you specifically have given it permission at some there is a way to click and say always you know give have me on the latest operating system but you have to that's a positive step you have to take by default in windows. You don't have that control. So I think that's the,
1: well, you do, they have added other features uh, so that at some point, like the home version of windows would let you delay updates. You could go in and say, I want to delay updates for 45 days or 60 days. The professional version lets you do it for a longer period of time. But at the end of that time, You're eligible for the update. It goes ahead and does it. Now, sometimes it will tell you I'm getting ready to do it. Sometimes it's already done all those downloads before it it lets you know, oh, we're going to restart. (laughs) Would you like to schedule it? And you could either schedule it or it'll do it when it's ready.
0: (laughs) Oh, man.
1: (laughs) And I have seen people on stage with a Windows update that decided to put itself into place And those can take anywhere from an hour to five, seven hours, just because it can be so slow, depending upon your Internet usage. Wow. You know, your Internet provider. So Microsoft has finally admitted that an update, once it starts downloading, could be a lapse time of three to four days before everything settles down again. Oof. Wow. And, And because it's it's. Like once you got the main part of the update down, it may have to come back and do a second thing for another part that has to layer on top of it, and then it may need to go get the new calculator program, the new calendar program, the new, you know, whatever. All of those other pieces that are in there, they come down later. Oh wow! And so it it's yeah. just, it stays slow for several days. Uh, yeah, it can. Mm. It can. It doesn't necessarily, but yeah.
0: Awesome. well uh, thank you Steve Gibson for in control oh he is <laughs> yeah, That <is> a great <laughs> a great service to the community so my pick is also free so hey we've got it all free picks this week uh, My Yay. pick is this is for all you uh, longtime Mac users or people who used who used the Mac back in the day it's something it's a project called Infinite Mac and if you go to the website you can it will let you load any Mac operating system, any of the classic Mac operating systems from System 1 in 1984 up to System 9, which was the last one before OS 10 came out uh, around 2000. And it runs a full version of Mac OS in the browser. And it's just like the the old days. It's like being back in the 90s. It is so much fun. Uh, they have all of the control strips and extensions. There's, you can even browse the web from inside the OS uh, s- uh, system. There's the games that you remember because i always go to the game like a10 attack i loved that game that was a great flight simulator it was terrible by today's standards but i loved it uh then you know this marathon from bungie and then in the old version of civilization uh and then Carnosaur. yeah, <laughs> yeah just all yeah all kinds of stuff um uh, stuff from ambrosia software which is one of the great independent uh mac app uh, developers um and then the they even have cd roms that you can load with things like the uh, compilations from um Berkeley Mac users group the bmug um they they would put out a, a annual cd roms of public domain you know shareware and freeware uh stuff from the the power computing disk that came with power computer mac clones um they had stuff from various um you know they have various games like Deadlist, which was a fun <laughs> uh, role-playing uh, sci-fi role-playing adventure game. Uh, stuff from Mac Addict Magazine. I like. I had a lot of this stuff. It's so much fun. You can spend hours exploring it. It's a real trip down memory lane. Uh, or if you're a young person, it's a great history lesson in the history of computing uh, from from an era from 30 years ago or more. Uh, so Infinite Mac, it is a blast. It is. It wow. is amazing that this all is running inside the web browser. I it's it's wild. So uh, just just give it a check anyway, just to check it out. It's a lot of fun,
1: and you don't have to go have licensed copies of the various games, etc. They
0: they're including them all. Yes, yeah. It's I, I'm wow. not sure how he's you know some of these are in the public domain now. Some of these I don't know how he's Abandonware. <laughs> yeah, it's Abandonware or whatever. Maybe it, you know it's sort of a seek. Seek perm- or seek forgiveness instead of permission. I don't know how he's doing it, but a lot of this stuff, like the, the commercial stuff, is just there. So um, I, wow. I'm glad it exists because this sort of stuff should be preserved for history's for sake. That's for sure. All right. So that's it from us this time. We would love to you know, hear what you thought of any part of our discussion. Or if you checked out Infinite Mac, to let me know what you think of it, because uh, I'm loving it. Uh, let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the StarQuest Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Send an email to technology at sqpn.com. Visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You'll find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at StarQuest.fm slash TEC219. Follow The Secrets of Tech in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, your favorite podcast app, or at the StarQuest YouTube channel, where you should make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. And until next time, Pat Scott, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Technology. It's always great to be here. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest.